welcome to Into the Fire, a Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series. Hi, this is Jerome Davis. Uh, I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theater Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Today, we have an extraordinary guest, the actor and sound designer, Juan Isler. Juan, welcome to Into the Fire. Thank you so much for having me. It is truly my pleasure. You've worked with our company for a number of years, um, yes. starting, I think, with uh, Written on the Heart. Was that the first show? No, you uh, did The Wiz before that. Yes, sir. That. That's did right. The Wiz, yeah. yes. Right. Um, so I'm going to ask you a few uh, questions, uh, the okay. same questions that we ask everyone else who, who comes through the, the series, and then we'll branch out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, so did the corrective surgery work? Um, yes, it did. Um, they snipped half of it, though, and so I can still use the other half. That's really good. Yes. I had heard uh, through the grapevine mm-hmm. that um, that there was going to need to be a couple of extra um, surgeries and then a lifetime of uh, that, that ointment that I won't mention. Well, actually, it's not going to be ointment. They now have pills. Oh, and good. so I'm just able to take one pill a day, and, and it takes care of everything. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start. cut straight to the chase. Okay. The uh, influence that uh, Gordon Lightfoot had on your life as a, an artist mm-hmm. uh, and as a man, Go, just let's jump right into that. Okay. Um, Gordon Lightfoot, his, um, well, he's one of the reasons why I had the surgery, of course. Um, and dancing too hard to his music. Yes, it, that's exactly what it was. Right. I I, uh, I cut left when I should have cut right, right, and I landed down on my foot and some other things, and uh, I had to have that surgery and, and take the ointment. And you know, of course, I, I actually met him, and um, that really? was a cause for having to take the ointment as well. Yes, but it was quite a strain to yes. be in the presence of. Yes, it was. Ah, okay, yes, so I mm-hmm, yeah, did that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last question that I'll ask you, which mm-hmm. follows the line of questions that I've already that I always ask uh, our uh, guests. Yes. Um, when you um, retired. Um, what, what has it been, 14 years ago now? Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did it feel to, to, to suddenly have all of your days and nights free? Well, um, now that I have my days and nights free, for the past 14 years, I've been building a statue that I actually want to uh, hang from the top of the Progress Energy Building downtown. And so I'm working on it, and I want it to be so that you can see it from every angle in Wake County, not this just in a, Raleigh. A statue of yourself. Yes, of course, of course, oh, of course. Oh, so good. I'm building that now. Um, to, it's paper mache. Alex, if you can remind me never to go on the south side of the building, I would appreciate yeah, that. that. Yeah, yeah, you probably doesn't want. Don't, you probably wouldn't want to because the image is going to be me in uh, Prince pants, so uh-huh. they will have no derriere in them. Oh, uh, Prince, as in mm-hmm. Prince and the Revolution. Yes. Not, uh, Prince, as in uh, Argyle. No, no, Prince, yeah, yeah, okay. no, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Prince and the Revolution, Prince. Good. So, Got, yes. Understood. P R I N C E. Yes, yes. Okay. Not P R I N T S. Well, that's uh, very interesting. And one, just thank you for, for oh. joining us uh, for the podcast. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next week on Into the Fire. Oh, thank you. Actually, that was not the podcast interview. That was just <laughs> me and Juan goofing around. Uh, and I think...
<laughs> oh, wow. I think it was on. Um, yes, it was. So, yeah, so testing. One, two, three. Let's start this thing again. Uh, one, uh, uh, you, uh, you have uh, worked a lot in the Triangle as an actor yes. and as a sound designer. Mm -hmm. Do you have a preference as an artist? Does one, one uh, tickle your fancy more than the other? Um, well, <laughs> if you had asked me this six months ago, I would have said um, acting. But uh, I took a break the last six months, and I only did sound design. And so I'm loving that now. I think right now in this moment, I'm loving that. But uh, now that I've started getting back into acting again, it's kind of it's kind of evening out as good. far as what I like. That's good. Tell us about your background. You're from this area originally. <clears throat> I am from Kinston, North Carolina, Kinston, right. which is about an hour and a half from here. Right. Uh, uh, born and raised there, and then I went to college. Uh, at Winston-Salem State University. I was a music major, mass comm minor, uh, vocal music major, and then I decided to go the route of my minor first, so I worked in television for 14 years, and then I uh, decided to get into theater. Right. So, and, and how did that happen? Did it, was you just walking down the street and thought, "Here's an idea," or <laughs> what? Did somebody inspire you? How you it? know, it kind it, it it was almost like that. Actually, uh, it was uh, people that inspired me. Um, my nephew uh, Noah Anderson is the first one. He got me involved in theater, and um, then Mimi Cowens, uh -huh. Mimi Cowens Taylor. Um, I met her in the first play that I ever did, uh, which was four four and a half years ago. And she told me that there was a place for me in theater and that I was going to get other work. And I didn't believe her. I thought I'd do that one and be done. And she basically drugged me along with things she did. And she uh, let me know about burning coal. And that's to me, that's where like it really started taking off. So <laughs> Mimi is a, is a force of nature. And when she uh, suggests that you uh, that you do something, you you strongly consider that. Uh, <laughs> yes, because she won't take no for an answer. Right. So. And she was mm -hmm. in uh, the Wiz with you. She, yes, she, she was. Uh, Evelyn in yes, that she production. Mm -hmm. One, um, how did your did your family have any? Uh, you said you mentioned a nephew. Did you have any more direct uh, connection to the performing arts? Uh, uh, a parent who was a musician or a painter? Um, well, not real. I mean, my um, my mother and and. Um, um, uncle were in choir in high school, uh -huh. but one, you know, after I was born, not really anybody that did any. Well, you know what? I take that back. My grandmother at church, my grandmother was a first soprano, and she, if there was a solo for a soprano, she sang it. She was the one, uh, she was the one that sang it, and uh, she's still she's still around. She's still here. So um, I took I did take after her in that, in that regard. And my mother was a strong alto. And she was a trombone player in in our school. My father so was a that. trombone player. Really? As well. okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. We had his trombone for years after he died. And oh, really? Oh, wow. It held a special place in I'm my sure. life uh, because it seemed unapproachable. It seemed like you know, if you pick up a guitar, you mm -hmm. think at least mm -hmm. for a moment I can play this. And right. Sit down at the piano, but trombone. It just <laughs> it's like looking at an Oscar. I was going to say you were looking like okay, I can't do anything with Nothing that. Nothing I can do with that. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, and, great mystery surrounds the trombone <laughs> in my life and uh, in my family. I'm a wood, actually I'm a, I'm a, a, a I played saxophone in yeah. high school yeah. so I was fond of the woodwind instruments. The others I did not, I didn't like the, the brass. I, for some reason I couldn't get my mouth right on the, on trumpets and trombones uh -huh. and right. French horns and stuff. So. Right, right. Well it takes a lot of uh, um, uh, air as well and um, and mm -hmm. you, you are known for being 
brief in your conversation. <laughs> of course, yes. Um, so one, uh, uh, church then, uh, it sounds like, was, uh, was a big influence for you. Did you mm-hmm. do plays in church or sing there? No, uh, well, not growing, are you speaking of growing up? Sure, or? sure. Yeah, actually, no. Um, I, I was an usher in church. Uh, I didn't wasn't even uh, in the choir. We had a junior choir that didn't start until I was like twelve or thirteen. Uh, I did uh, uh, elementary school, middle school, and high school choir mm-hmm. and band. Yeah. That was it. Church, I was there, but I just didn't do anything with my yeah. talent in, at that time. Was there a, was there a teacher along the way that was particularly influential to you? Yes, her uh, her name is uh, well, her name was Winona Epps, and she taught my mom in high school, mm-hmm. and she taught me in high school, uh, and she in our in our ninth grade year, she had us singing uh, Messiah, the Messiah, yeah. and that's difficult. Sure. Period. Yeah. Before ninth tenth grader, it's. Yeah. Right. Did so. you know? I'm just curious. Did you know what you were singing? Did you were you like, wow, this this is this is very meaningful, or did it just feel like uh, uh, notes? Uh, uh, well, no, it it, uh, it felt meaningful um, because even before I went to college, uh, growing up, I music was like a major part of my life. Yeah. So. Uh, when I was five, instead of getting a, a, the red wagon for Christmas like other kids my age, I got a stereo system because that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had records and stuff. So I knew the basics of music. I just didn't know the terms right. and stuff. So I knew right. what sounded good, what I liked. I just didn't know about different chord changes and stuff like that. Right. So. And so this is where the sound design and acting uh, merges together. Yes, it is. Because it's funny. Uh, once I started doing sound, which I, which I really got into it last year, uh, a lot of people would look and say, you know how to do this? And like, I, all I ever known you to do is act. And I'm like, you didn't know me years ago. You would have thought the opposite. Because sound, I, you know, I DJ'd. I, I DJ'd a lot of the parties uh, when I was in high school and stuff and uh, throughout college. And then I actually DJ'd professionally for 12 years. So sound was in me. but. Acting is, I just wanted to try and see if I could do it. And right. see if I was good well, there's a certain performative quality about DJs, or at least the good ones, it seems mm-hmm. like uh, they're really the, the performers. Uh, yeah. The oh, music yeah. is a supplement right. to, mm-hmm. to what they're, they're doing. Um, so you've worked with the Justice Theater Project. Yes, sir. Uh, you've worked with the Raleigh Little Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, where else? Sonorous Road? No, Interact and Burning Coal. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you have dream roles? Do you have particular plays that you've seen that you wish you could be a part of, or that or plays that you've read or uh, you know uh, know about that you're interested in? It's kind of funny because I have done um, almost all of them that I uh, had an interest in doing. Uh-huh. I haven't done Pearly. I want to be in um, Pearl, the musical Pearly, which is uh, a, a musical version of. Pearly Probably victorious, victorious right, yes. Right, right, right. That and well, and raising in the sun. Uh-huh. So I, I definitely want to do those. Um, but because I wasn't big into theater before I started acting, mm-hmm. I'm discovering a lot of plays now. That right. I was like, I, like I said, I was bigger on the music side. Mm-hmm. So musical artists, albums, and stuff I knew. Plays I didn't really know a lot. The ones I, you know, um, I did the Wiz, I did Porgy and Bess. I knew 
musicals like that, mm -hmm. but I did not, I didn't know other plays, straight, um, plays, straight plays, I didn't know. And so I'm learning as I go along about non-musical plays, and I'd love to do some more of those. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that music for, for a little bit then, because it sounds like that was a major influence in your life as well. What is your first memory? You, you and I are roughly the same age, and mm -hmm. so, despite my earlier comments, uh, <laughs> and, so um, what's the first memory you have of dropping the needle uh, and uh, being uh, turned on to what you were hearing? Um, the Jackson 5's I Want You Back. You remember the exact song? Yeah. Yes, was it I a do. single? Do you have a it was a, it was a single, and I had a Mickey Mouse record player. Uh -huh. So it was Mickey's arm that had the needle on it, yeah. and I I could put the needle on the record. I was two, wow, and I could put it on. And my mother, she now she, this part she had to tell me she tried to uh, trick me and um, put the record on the wrong side, and I and I put the needle on, and I knew it wasn't. The right song, so I took the needle off. I turned the record over, and I put the needle back what on, was, and I was, was good. What was the B side? Do you remember? Um, I believe it was one more chance. Was it one more chance? I believe it was one more chance, yeah. but I knew the difference between the two. And did you have a, a large collection of forty fives uh, growing up? Uh, yes, I did, and uh, a nice collection of albums. I hate to say this, and but when I my very first album when I was five when I got my stereo uh -huh. was Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Uh -huh. But of course I was five. I know. Why do you hate to say that? Because I was five. I didn't really understand the meaning of the Let's Get It On part. Right. But I was I liked the song. I was a Motown fan. I was a Marvin Gaye fan. Yeah. So that was the album. My mom said pick out an album and it was a toss between that and I can Tina Turner. And so mm -hmm. Marvin won. Yeah. And so I picked it. That's uh, that's a pretty good <clears throat> choice though between those two mm -hmm. um, and uh, do you remember what it was that attracted you had you heard the music or or was it the album design or what, what was it about that that attracted you? about that particular album yeah the song itself let's get it on I, I just I, I love the uh, musical arrangement of it and mm -hmm. uh, at that time I didn't know really like I said I didn't know terms so I didn't know I loved the musical arrangement I just know that when it came on everything stopped so yeah. uh, and I listened to the music more than I listened to Marvin, because as I said, it, the words were, as I got older and learned the words, I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, why did I have that at five? But <laughs> It's exactly because you were five that uh, mm -hmm. probably that your mother let you have it. Exactly, because she's like, he don't know what he's listening it to. He, no he idea. Just, yeah, none whatsoever. So. Well, um, I'm, I'm curious, um, uh, do, you, uh, do you prefer uh, Wax uh, vinyl to um, to the more modern uh, formats. Yes, I do. Uh, the only thing I like about the more modern format is I can, in my car, I can have a majority of my music collection on something. But um, nothing beats pulling that record out of the sleeve, putting it on, looking at the record, seeing dark spots, knowing that that's probably the breakdown of a song, and and uh -huh. putting the needle on it. Uh, and the analog sound, just the thickness of an analog sound as opposed to the digital sound nowadays, nothing beats that. Um, and in fact, I have a, uh, I have a storage unit um, behind my house that has 26 crates of albums. Wow, really? I still have those albums. So what do you have, about 50, 75 per crate, something like that? Uh, about, about, yeah, about 50 to 75 per crate. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, so... 1300 1400 1500 yes yeah. yes wow. and and um, CDs I'm, I'm 
CDs come second, so I have about four thousand of those. Uh, so the first, uh, the first, the fire uh, place bursts into flames. You can only grab one album out. Is it going to be "Let's Get It On"? What's <laughs> no, it probably won't be "Let's." It would. It's probably going to be. Yeah, you, you threw me with this one, uh, with this question. <laughs> I'm shocked. It's probably going to be. Uh, 1999 by Prince. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay, good. That'll uh, be the one I take. I'm hearing a recurring theme with Prince as well. Uh, yes. He was very theatrical. Um, mm -hmm. He was uh, he was an actor. I mean, there's no question mm -hmm. that I mean he did act in mm -hmm. movies, so, right? Uh, but he was also an actor in in his performances, mm -hmm. his musical performances. Mm -hmm. um, what do you um, want to do as an actor when you're when you're approaching a role one what is the steps in the process for you this is a question I often ask people on this podcast series mm -hmm. and I'm interested to hear because it feels to me like there isn't in, in acting there isn't a, a standard way of mm -hmm. approaching things I'm curious to know how you approach a, a role um, well I, I read over the I try to read over the whole play well I read over the whole play once and then I try to find where my character fits in and what, what my character's thoughts are. Mm -hmm. And um, I try, every time I read a line that my character has, I read it two or three different ways. Do you read it out loud? Yes, uh -huh. I read it out loud several times. And then I, I read it different ways, not just to have different inflections in it, but to see if that one line can have a different meaning. Uh -huh. And... I found out that I'm a, <laughs> I'm a very good straight man, so sometimes I will take will find lines that maybe others would have read that wasn't funny, right, right. and I've turned it around into some type of comedy uh -huh. because that just to me that throws people off. Mm -hmm. So I try to see if I can find that in it. Um, I think that has worked with pretty much every role I've had. There have been one or two roles I, I did Oliver last year. And I played Bill Sykes, <laughs> and that one was tough because no matter how I tried to do that, it was like Bill is killing people. Is nothing funny in this. Yeah. So I came to that realization quick. But usually with the other ones, I, other roles, I, I read the lines different mm -hmm. ways mm -hmm. and try to figure out who I want my character to be. So humor is a big part of uh, uh, of life for you. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and that must be part of the life of a character as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I, I want to find the humor in, there's humor in everything that goes on in life. Right. And so I try to find the humor in the characters, even if it's a, a serious line. I, you know, I try to, and then unless the director tells me that I'm just completely off base, mm -hmm. it's usually, you know, it's usually okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you've, you've been at it for a short period of time, but you've done a lot of acting uh, during yes. that, that short period of time, even mm -hmm. uh, taking into account that six months off to focus on sound design. Mm -hmm. um, uh, favorite parts? Um, Memphis. Mm -hmm. uh, I played Delray in Memphis. At Raleigh Little Theater? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I played... Uh, a character Yahal in uh, Pooled, and I uh, I loved that character, uh, and the lion in The Wiz. Uh -huh. Those are probably my those are my three favorite. Yeah, uh, and they're on 
on uh, each point of the triangle, they're they're like totally opposite. Because the lion was cowardly and silly. Um, Delray was kind of stern and a little bit mean. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yahal was damaged and hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, those are my three. Favorite. Are those uh, are those three facets of your your own character? Yes, <laughs> yes. I probably don't. I, I, I'm not sure. I want to admit that, but yeah, they are. So they you're, are. you're able to draw from from your personal life and yeah, way. I am. And it's funny that you say that because um, getting into the acting world so late, uh, I had been asked before. Okay, where did you train? What schools did you go to? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I didn't go into any acting schools, but I lived life. Yeah. And by living life, I'm able to, to draw on that. Um, and, you know, in, in Memphis, as a matter of fact, playing a, a black man from the 50s, I drew off my grandfather uh -huh. uh, and uh, how he acted and what he did. Uh -huh. So, you know, so life. You heard. You heard him in the character uh, in some way. Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I, I channeled him. In fact, my my grandmother uh, told me when I was on the stage, I reminded her of him. What would you do? What would you like to do better as an actor? Um. What would I like to do better? <laughs> well, jokingly, I like to know what the director wants the minute I walk in the door. Um. You know what? I I don't know and. I don't want to sound vain when I say that, but everything happened so fast mm -hmm. that I'm kind of still on that whirlwind, like, okay, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I doing things mm -hmm. correctly? Um, and so I, with each role, I try to do something different. Like, I'm, I'm like, I need to learn my lines quicker or I need to, yeah. you know, do something of that nature. But... It really things happen so fast, and I, I kind of don't know. I, I just I know I want to continue to go into it with an open mind, mm -hmm. and I want to make sure I listen to the director at all times, mm -hmm. and that's and that's just the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, if if the director says, you know, I want you to stand on one foot, I may question and say why, but I need to get on that one foot. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, my master classes and stuff are they happen during rehearsals uh -huh. for plays so try it uh, is what you're saying uh, yeah. if, if the director suggests something mm -hmm. try it without mm -hmm. uh, automatically uh, mm -hmm. resisting, resisting the idea mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think mm -hmm. that's right uh, and have you uh, have you discovered uh, over the years that you know when you're on when you're you know when what you're doing is working as an actor or are you still in that area and i speak from the experience of having been in the place that you are and, mm -hmm. and sometimes returning there you know as well mm -hmm. but there there are nights when I know that I'm that what I'm doing is working and and uh, nights when I know that it's not working mm -hmm. but there are very few nights when I know why either thing is true um if I I've tried before to say okay maybe with with the with the humor that I have I've tried to turn it off yeah and those were a lot of nights when it didn't work because I wasn't bringing me, yeah. you know, I have to be the character, but at the same time, I have to be me in the character. Uh -huh. And I wasn't being me in the character. I was thinking too hard, to be honest, yeah. and saying, okay, I can't keep doing this because maybe at the next play, they're not seeing 
that character. Maybe they're seeing Juan as a character. And then the next play is Juan as a character. So I tried to change that, and it, it, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have to do that. The, the one thing I did in Memphis that I, I don't want to do again, I lost myself in that character. And before that, I used to, you know, I heard about Heath Ledger and stuff, and I was like, okay, you know, your movie's done. Go back to being yourself. What do you mean you're, you're still the Joker? And I was still Del Rey. So Del Rey was a fast-talking, or well, not fast-talking, quick-talking, you know, tell you how he felt. And, and it took me a minute to come out of that. I found myself still doing that, and it was like, wait a minute. And it was that character. So... Um, you know, that's definitely something I, I'm like, I have to get out of it. Um, and then when I did Pooled, um, I got lost in that character, um, the hurt that that character felt. So luckily because of Memphis beforehand, I would always go home and decompress. Mm -hmm. I would have to spend two or three hours coming back. What do you do just to... <laughs> um, this is gonna be funny. I am a big Looney Tunes fan. Uh huh. That doesn't so, surprise me at all. <laughs> I would. Sit, I have the collection on DVD, and I sit oh, in front of the TV. Doing. Yes, I do, and I sit in front of the TV for about three hours, and I just watch my Looney Tunes. Yeah. And um, especially the ones that had the you know the musical things, yeah. music music backgrounds going yeah. into them and stuff. And I would come down. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I've never heard that particular. Uh, answer to that question before so uh, that's lovely that's really quite nice uh, um, one uh, we uh, we're glad that you decided to to join us in the theater community and uh, we're looking forward to your performance in uh, ash in johannesburg which is yes, coming sir. up soon yes uh, ash uh, features uh, Juan Isler uh, and uh, a remarkable cast of uh, six other actors uh, uh, from this area and it runs January 24th through February 10th here at the Murphy School. Tickets are available at burningcoal.org or at 919-834-4001. It is a play about Arthur Ashe, the American tennis star, and we hope you'll join us and uh, join Juan for that. And Juan, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. All right. Thank you for having me. Very good. All right. Thank you for listening. Our production of Hannah Benitez's Ash in Johannesburg will run from Thursday, January 24th through Sunday, February 10th. To purchase tickets or for more information, visit our website at burningcold.org or give us a call at 919-834-4001. Dear Father God, why in the world did I sit here for this long and let this man interview me? He just kept asking crazy questions. He knows I'm in theater. He knows I'm in his plays. Why is he asking me questions? Why is he bothering me? I started to turn back into Delray from Memphis and just let him have it. What do you want? Why are you asking me questions? Leave me alone. Mom, your order's here. Sorry, I gotta go. My food is here, and we got practice in about 15 minutes, so bye.